Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. Today we're going to be talking about a few different dice mechanics and dice systems just to talk about different styles of dice and different style of dice games versus Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder. So as always, I'm joined by Steve. Greetings. So where do we want to get started? D&D and Pathfinder? Well, I think, you know, the basics first probably, you know, just like most games fall into one of two categories if they use dice. In fact, they pretty much all do. It's either a rollover number or a roll under number. And all that really means is you've got what you're going to call a target number, which say to use Dungeons and Dragons as an example, is, is the armor class of the person you're trying to hit. So you're rolling and you're trying to get your target number or higher. There are games where you want to roll under your target number. Like D&D, where you rolled to hit armor class zero. Well, that was old D&D and that was weird. Yeah, well... I mean, I still know guys to this day. I was just talking to a guy the other day of the game store that we go to that said he still has the mathematical equation memorized for calculating Thaco. And I said, you are a braver man than I. <laughs> I know someone who up until a year and a half ago was still running a 20 plus year long second edition campaign. Oh, I would too. Up until a year and a half ago, I was running a second edition game. Yeah, but you hadn't been playing that campaign since you were in high school and older than me. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> but I was playing second edition because yeah. I didn't know that fifth edition was as good as it is. But well, now didn't um, is, to my memory, your like skill checks and so forth and your saves were roll under in second edition, were they not? They were pretty much the same as they are now, where you had a modifier and you were rolling dice plus the modifier to either match or beat the difficulty. Yeah, they were, they were, in some cases, roll under, so they did it a little bit differently because it was skill checks were still like we have now where we have a difficulty. Mm -hmm. Saves, I want to say, you had to roll under the number. Okay, that's probably what I'm remembering then. So it, it, it was, it, and that's sort of one of the things that I don't understand with modern D&D is that saves and skill checks are essentially the same thing. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no... The only difference between a save and a skill check is technically you can crit fail a save, and you can't crit fail a skill check. Well, yeah, rules is written. That's the way that yeah. pretty much nobody plays, but... No, I heard somebody the other day talking about, oh, yeah, well, we, you can't crit fail a check. I'm like, yes, you can. Everybody at some point has been, like, getting a glass out of the cabinet and dropped it. <laughs> like... <laughs> You, you're, you're not telling me that you can't crit check, you know, you can't crit fail saves, like, or can't crit fail, um, checks. You've done it. I've done it. I've tripped on my own feet. Like, <laughs> not that my shoes were untied, just walking and tripped and fell. Well, what did you trip on? I don't know. <laughs> uh, hey, it happened to me the other morning going into, coming back from lunch or something at work, walking up the steps, the outside of the building that I've walked up, I don't know how many hundreds of times, just slightly off and tripped and yeah. the concrete steps they haven't changed <laughs> well i i did that um i was carrying the trash out last night and we have three stairs in front of our house and they're the same three stairs that have always been there mm -hmm. and the only way i would describe it is i rolled a four <laughs> because i didn't roll a one i didn't trip and fall and i didn't roll a you know i i didn't do so badly that i ended up on my face i just like misjudged the length of the step <laughs> And caught my heel and, like, stumbled a little bit and then caught myself. Did one of those weird spin moves and... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, going back to where we were, you know, you have roll over, roll under, and, and your target number is generally the number that is your line of demarcation, if you will. Right. And then the only other significant thing is that you have Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder. You use a single die, a d20, and you roll that and you add whatever. Some other games use what's generally referred to as a dice pool, where you may be rolling multiple dice, and there's various versions of that that I think we'll get into a little bit down the road. But yeah, that's still kind of how it works. And to me, even though technically D100 is two dice, I consider that kind of a single dice thing, even though... Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, because D100 is, for those of you that know, you know that it, when you roll a D100, it's a D10 plus a D100. 
and that gives you the exact number that you're rolling. I would say, effectively, it's just 2d10, and you use one for the right. tens position and one for the ones. I have actually seen, used to play with a guy that used a literal d100 that I've seen kind of look a little bit like a golf ball, but it took it forever to settle. Yeah, I've seen those. They're, they take forever to settle, and they're kind of difficult to read. Yeah, because they're small, or the, the numbers are small. The best one I ever found of a D100 had 100 faces, but it was sort of like a Magic 8 ball. That would work. Where, when you rolled it, the only number that showed up on it was the number that was rolled. I've never seen one like that. That sounds neat. Yeah, I, I hadn't either, and I asked the guy where he got it, and he's like, oh, I got it at a con, and... You know, when people say stuff like that, that means I'm not telling you who I bought it from because it's my special secret thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really neat. But no, I, I I argue that, yeah, D100, even though you're rolling two dice, is still one die. It's it's still one number that you're looking for. It's not two numbers. Yeah. Now, different games do use it. Sometimes you may use those same numbers for something else. But to me, that's just an implementation of it to avoid having to make yet another roll. And so I don't consider right. D100 a dice pool. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't either. Versus, you know, a standard dice pool, which is you roll maybe, maybe you have a five in a stat. You're going to roll five D, say, let's say it's a weird game and you roll five D4s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or typically it's D6s. I know with GURPS it's D6. Yeah. Um, most. With the exception of the the vampire storyteller system, uh, most of the ones I'm aware of are D6s. I know there's a couple that use there's a couple that use D8s and there's a couple that use D10s and I can't remember names of games at the moment mm -hmm. that do that, but I know there's a couple that use those two particular dice. Mm -hmm. well, I'm sure when you get into some of the war games and stuff, they're also all sorts of crazy permutations. I've played two war games, and of the two war games I've played, they're both D6s, so that's pretty standard. But, okay. Yeah, because Warhammer 40k is D6s, it's just you need a bucket to roll them. Okay. And then I played War Machine back in the day, and that was D6s. Okay. But yeah, so like your your average D&D &D Pathfinder is just a D20 rollover system. I mean, that's how I would define it anyway. Right. It's match or beat, and, and that's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Palladium. Palladium. Oh, Palladium is, is kind of an odd one, because I guess you'd call it a hybrid system, because Palladium uses D100 for skills, but D20 for combat. So for your skill checks, and I will say, for me, D100 is one of the easiest systems to play, because it, to me, it's very, very simple, because you just you look at the number on your sheet, and you roll the dice, and is the number on the dice lower than the number on the sheet? Okay, you did it, or you didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's D100 systems are almost always roll under, because figuring out the math for rollover in D100 makes my head hurt. <laughs> but that's also where Palladium, okay, the skill check system is D100 roll under, combat system is D20 roll over. So it's a little bit of an odd one in a lot of ways, but they did a you know they did a lot of a lot of games. I mean, they years and years ago they had the Robotech license for a long time. They also have you know Rifts is probably their most well known game. They also did um, Nightbane, Heroes Unlimited. They actually well they still have what they call After the Bomb, which was originally the game that had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles license. I think there was a couple other ones, but I don't remember. They did also have Palladium Fantasy, which I have a copy of somewhere, but I haven't been able to find it in about three years. But yeah, that's that's kind of, you know, Palladium, like I said, I would call it a hybrid system, kind of like if you took, you know, the, the classic D100 and mashed it up with D&D, &D, really. Right. And then moving on from Palladium, just sort of moving down a list of games that sort of came to our minds. Cyberpunk, it's a D10 roll rollover system. So you're rolling a D10, you're adding your modifiers, you're trying to beat the score. Mm -hmm. Very much, very much like D&D and Pathfinder, where you're rolling a D10 rather than a D20, but sort of the same concept. You have skills, they have a modifier next to them. You're rolling a D10, you're adding that modifier, you know. The notable difference, I think, is that where D&D &D and Pathfinder and, and Palladium also used a stat modifier, in other words, your stat is one number, and, you know, like you're... Your strength is a 16, so that's a plus 3. In Cyberpunk, you just add whatever number your stat is. There is no modifier number. Right, right. Effectively, your stat is the modifier. Yes. It's 
it's not that there it's not that there's not a stat number and not that there's not a modifier it's that your stat number is your modifier and that's it like that's all there is to it yeah it's it's essentially it it just takes a, a little step out of there but it's it's not significant right and like i said i, I don't think we're we're really trying to get you know too in depth with all these and explain all the intricacies of the games but also the the engine used in cyberpunk's also used for the witcher rpg is modified a little bit here and there but it's still the same basic and to the best of anything i've heard it will also be basically the engine in cyberpunk red as well again some minor system tweaks but same core mechanics right and i'm excited again We'll be talking about Cyberpunk Red till it's here, <laughs> and then probably after it's here. Well, this should this should come out. This will come out the week before the week before it drops. Yeah, this episode will come out the tenth. It'll drop on the fourteenth and then the nineteenth, respectively. Okay, so yeah, that's that's Cyberpunk. Then I guess what I would consider the classic dice pool systems, which would be the old the West End games, which most noticeably was used for Star Wars, although I know they also held a Men in Black license for a bit, and I believe they also had a Ghostbusters license for a bit. Yeah. Why did I not know about that Men in Black license? Um, <laughs> I only ever saw one copy of the book. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they did those, and theirs was a classic, what I would consider a classic dice pool system. D6s, and your stats... And your skills were all classified as 2D plus 1. Okay, well, and I'm making that number up, but we'll say your stat is 2D plus 1 and your skill was 2D plus 2. I'd just like to point out, just, just to side rail you real quick, there are eight used copies of the Men in Black role-playing system on Amazon right now for $22.97. <laughs> okay. Just because it, I, I had to look it up. Fair so enough. You can get that. I actually have a internet hack of a Jurassic Park game built on that engine. Yeah, uh, sorry. I You said Men in Black, and my brain went, ooh. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> reading it. A friend of mine had it, oh, geez, 25 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. It says 1997, so I'd, yeah. But essentially, yeah, to try and get back to where, before my brain hit a bump, we'll say your stat is 2D and your skill is 2D plus 2. So you would grab four D6s, and you needed to make sure one of them was different than the other ones. Okay? That was your, we always called it the wild die. I don't know if there was an official name for it. So you would roll your four D6, and if your wild die came up a six, it exploded. And you could re-roll that, and, you know, if you rolled another six, you rolled it again. You know, whatever you got done, you added everything up and added your plus one or your plus two or whatever it was, and that was your number. And then, like, your skills, your stats would increase, and they would go from, you know, 2D to 2D plus 1 to 2D plus 2. But instead of going to 2D plus 3, they would go to 3D. At least I think. It, it might have been between 3 and 4. I don't remember. But And, and that was literally, you know, your whole character sheet was a, a bunch of 4D plus 2 or, you know, whatever your numbers were. And that was literally the whole mechanic of the game. Now, in more recent years, uh, Russ Morrissey of EN World and so forth has put out a, a system called What's Old is New, which in my mind is is very much kind of revision slash love letter of this, the old West End system. And it's got a few extra mechanics in it. And you don't write things down in the same manner. You still, you actually have like numeric values for your stats and so forth, but it still represents so many dice, whatever, and you're still totaling up all the dice you roll and that's your result. You know, again, against a target number. And I, to this day, I I, I don't remember what the target number ranges were. You know, I played the game a few times. Jeez, I was right. 20, 19. <laughs> Been a long time. Right. And um, if you're looking for, let me actually double check that, but just a cursory Google Google search brings up that what's old is new is actually running the Judge Dredd game and the worlds of 2000 AD. Yes, they are. Which is actually really cool. And if you don't know what 2000 AD is, uh, it's basically the French magazine that Judge Dredd came out of. And that's really awesome. I thought it was British, not French, but... It might be, it might, it, I know it's me say it this way it's the european magazine that judge dread came out of yes i would say this is is i do know that it is the judge dread of the comic books not right the movies well 
I'll, I'll tell you the truth. That last Judge Dredd movie is pretty close to, pretty close to the comics. Uh, it's not too far off. Well, I said the last one I saw was the Stallone one. So. Oh uh, yeah, I I highly recommend going out and watching that. It was just called Dread. It came out a couple of years ago, and it's really close to the comics. Oh, cool. It's not spot on. There's a lot of stuff that's missing, but for some pretty like standard Judge Dread fare, it's pretty close to the comics. That's cool. Now. The next one we had put down on our list here is Shadowrun. Do you know much about Shadowrun, Steve, or the mechanics of it? I, I know... Basically what I know of Shadowrun is that it's a dice pool system. I don't know a lot about Shadowrun. The reason I don't know a lot about Shadowrun is because anytime I looked into Shadowrun, I got immediately turned off because Shadowrun is cyberpunk with magic, and I'm not a big... We talked about this last uh, last time, but I'm not a big high fantasy person, and adding cyberpunk to high fantasy doesn't help me like it anymore. That's fair. <laughs> I don't think I've ever played Shadowrun. I do. I am familiar with the system, and actually, they also. I don't know. I think it's been a while since a new edition of it's come out. There was also a fantasy game uh, that ran on the same dice mechanic. It was called Earth Dawn. It's actually set in the same universe, but anyway, that's lore and, and, you know, other nerdology that we don't need to get into today. But Shadowrun is another dice pool system, although it's what I would call the other type of dice pool system where you have a target number and a target number, not in the context of the total, but in Shadowrun, you have, again, I'm sort of making this up because I don't know the specifics of the system, but we'll say you have a a two in dexterity or operate or whatever, two in your stat and a two in your skill, or we'll, we'll say five and five, because that makes a little more sense, because I think your numbers are a little higher in Shadowrun. But in any case, you'll take those two numbers, you add them together, you grab that many D6, and you roll them, and you're looking for sixes. And I believe the way it works is you're looking for a specific, you know, so many sixes on a roll, and I, I believe the way it works is ones don't matter unless you have more ones than sixes, but I, I could be wrong there. But Shadowrun specifically in some editions was notorious for requiring practical buckets of D6 because sometimes you could be rolling 30 or 40 dice for a single check. Yeah, so it's not sixes, it's actually fives. Oh, is it fives and sixes? Yeah, fives and sixes. It's it's five plus is how it's often referred to. Okay. So I actually have the quick start for the fifth edition of Shadowrun brought up here. Oh, I think I had that somewhere. Yeah, it's free from uh, actual website. So if you're looking to play some Shadowrun, you can pick up the quick start for free. Do they have the sixth edition quick start out yet? I don't know. Because I, I know the sixth edition, edition released a little over a year ago. Let me take a look, but I don't think. I think it's just fifth edition is out. Okay, but yeah, Shadowrun is cyberpunk plus magic, effectively. Yeah. But it, it has had quite a bit of support. There's a, a large community out there that really loves it. Never been my thing either, because kind of like, I like my cyberpunk, and I do like some stuff with magic, but I don't necessarily need the two to me. No, I, I don't need cyber orcs. I'm sorry. I just, it's just not something that, that I'm going, oh man, I really need that in my life. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, it's it's fives and sixes, and... It's a pretty neat system. It is known for needing buckets of dice. It is known for being crunchy in a lot of ways, even though it's not super crunchy, but it is crunchy in that, like, you are rolling a lot of dice way. Well, I think what also happens is, depending on what's happening, there are a lot of rolls that need to be made. So, like, you roll this, then you roll that, then the person you're attacking rolls something else, and you compare them, and da-da-da-da-da-da. I know that I've listened to a couple Shadowrun actual plays, and... Unless they mute the dice, it's really distracting. Fair enough. Because all you hear is rolling dice. But that's, I mean, Shadowrun's neat. If you're into, if you're into looking into like science fiction and fantasy, go for it. Moving on from Shadowrun, we move down to Savage World. Savage Worlds, I've heard, I have not gotten to play it yet, but, uh, I've heard a lot of really good things about it. A lot of people speak highly of it, and one setting in particular I'd love to try is is uh, Deadlands. Yeah, I know a lot of people. A lot of people love Deadlands. I I never touch Savage Worlds myself. Not out of any sort of not out of any malintent. Just didn't have the time. 
Yeah. Now I've I've looked at it a little bit enough to get a general feel for it. It is actually a universal system where your Savage Worlds core book is is just rules and and creation character creation rules and so forth. It doesn't really include a setting because it is intended to be a you know a multi-setting game. You know, be it Deadlands. I know they actually do have an official version for the Rift setting from Palladium in Savage Worlds. Along with, I know there's a ton of them. I don't know the names of of many of them really. Their dice system is kind of unique in that it's it's a dice pool system, sort of. The way it works is you'll have your stat value will be a die size, your skill value will be a die size. So you could have, we'll say, a d6 in we'll say you're playing a fantasy setting and you have a D6 and maybe strength or whatever the appropriate stat is to attack with a sword and you have a D8 in swords. So you take a D6 and a D8 and then because you're what they call a wild card as a player character, you grab another D6 and you roll all three of those and you want any one of those usually to come up four or higher. However, the higher your highest number is, the better. And again, like I mentioned with the Star Wars dice, or the, the one die in Star Wars in Savage Worlds, it's any of them. If that die turns on its, comes up on its maximum face, you know, be it a, a 6 on a D6, an 8 on a D8, etc., you roll it again and you add it to the, its previous thing. And you, if you manage to roll 10 10s in a row, you can roll 107 on a D10, 1D10. Now, that would be rather improbable, but... But what I have heard of Savage World is a lot of people say it's really good for fast-paced action. Yeah, I've, I've heard that myself. I've, I've heard a lot of people say that Savage Worlds works really well for the fast-paced, fast-moving action adventure stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I have heard it can be, can be really swingy in terms of stuff. If, if stuff starts going bad, it can go very bad very fast. Or also you can get where, the, you know, the PCs get lucky and take down a bad guy in one shot. So, you know, that is what it is. Uh, like I said, it is a system I'm, I'm rather curious to, to test out at some point, but I have not as of yet got the chance to. Yeah, I, I want to get my hands on it. I want to try it out, look a little bit deeper into it, play with it some, just because it is a really interesting system. Yeah. And then Green Ronin's... Um, Adventure Game Engine is what they call it. Yeah, the AGE engine. Okay. So I know they use it for, I believe they have... The Dragon Age game, it's used for the Expanse. Uh, they have a modern age. And I think they have like a fantasy age. Mm-hmm. They have actually a rather unique dice mechanic that I, I kind of like in that it does a lot with relatively, you know, like they, they get a lot out of a single roll. The way it works, because I actually spent some time researching this yesterday, you roll 3d6 and then you add plus, or excuse me, you roll 3d6 plus your ability, and then if you have what they call a focus, which is kind of like a skill in in most games, you add an additional plus two, and that's versus a target number, which according to the quick start guide that I was reading could be anywhere from 7 to 21. One thing, kind of like Star Wars, you do want one of these d6 to be different somehow, so that you can tell it apart from the other two, and that is what you're going to call, depending on the version of the game, they call it a stunt die, a drama die, or a dragon die. Mm-hmm. What that does is that is used for degree of success or failure, depending on whether you beat the target number or not. So you, you roll your dice, you add them all together, and that determines whether you succeed or fail, but then the face that turns up on the, the unique die is kind of like how well you did, which, like I said, I thought was, was rather unique. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, as a as a quick aside, Green Ronin on their website on Green Ronin Store mm-hmm. has the Green Ronin Quick Start Bundle, which is Dragon Age, Modern Age, and uh, the Expanse Quick Starts all for free. Yeah, I was I got them off of uh, Drive Through, but yeah, I just downloaded them from their website. So, oh, cool. Now the other thing they do though is in combat, it works again a little bit differently, but not not totally because your chances of rolling an 18 on a D- 3d6 are a lot, lot, lot lower than rolling a 20 on a d20. So to have criticals to work that way isn't that effective. But what they do is 
your basic combat mechanic works just like the, the skill mechanic we just described, but instead of the dragon die affecting how well you do, the way it works is that if you have any of your dice come up as a pair, in other words, two twos, two fours, two ones, whatever, you get stunt points equal to the number of the face that's up on the dragon die. And then you can spend those stunt points to do cool things like knock them prone or cause a serious wound or all kinds of fun stuff. So like I said, they're, they're using a very simple die roll, but they're actually using different parts of it to do a lot of things. Yeah, that is, I know a lot of people really like the age system. I like it simply for the fact that they took a very simple mechanic and stretched it, so to speak. They do a lot with one single roll instead of making you roll and then roll again and then roll again. Right. And that's nice. I can understand, you know, that's where it gets annoying is where you roll and roll and roll and roll and roll. Like, not that I don't like rolling dice, but you're going to make me roll three times to do one thing is kind of frustrating. Yeah. So then we're into the D100 system, the sort of sort of that end of things. Mm-hmm. Now, D100, I think, at least what's kind of credited as the first one, is, is Chaosium's BRP system, or basic roleplay, which powers Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest. I believe it powers Pendragon. I think you're right. I think it does power Pendragon because I remember hearing that. Well, I know Pendragon was Greg Stafford's kind of pet project, and I know he was you know, one of the, the founders of Chaosium and did a lot of stuff with the systems. Then BRP is, for the most part, dirt simple, skill-based. You have a percentage. You try and roll under it. There may be a few modifiers here and there. Most of the time, I believe crits are... 10% of your number. So in other words, if you have a 70 to get a crit, you need to roll 0.7 or lower. That's classic BRP is roll lower the better. Right. Yeah, that BRP system is a roll under. It's, you know, having played with it in Delta Green, it's really nice. I really like that system. Yeah, Delta Green is, is a little bit different than, than true BRP, but it's very closely based on it, and, and that's where it came out of Minor differences being that Delta Green uses a different system for crits and that Delta Green does crits on doubles instead of a percentage of your total. So it's a little bit less mathy in a lot of ways because it's really easy to see an 11 as opposed to, well, is this, you know what I mean? Right. But that's it. And, and Delta Green also does use, in the case of a pol- opposed roles, uses a blackjack-style mechanic, where if it's opposed rolls, the higher roll that doesn't go over the skill wins. Kind of like the price is right, I guess, too. Right. And then, you know, Warhammer Fantasy, at least the the fourth edition, I believe, first and second edition, were also D100. Although they do things differently in certain regards, I know they use success levels as opposed to complex or not complex, but levels in, what did you roll under half or 20% or whatever? And I know they calculate it two different ways. The, the simplest one I've heard is what they call the fast SL or fast success level, which again is basically utilizing a blackjack mechanic on the roll. And so let's say you have a 45 in your attack skill. So you roll, ideally you want to roll as close to your target number as you can without going over, because let's say you roll a 41, that gives you four success levels. And then that affects other things for damage, and it that system can be really crunchy, at least what I've heard it played. I've not had a chance to read it myself yet. But as far as just basic success failure, it's very simple. D100 is very easy to understand at its at its core depending on the add-ons and so forth put in with it, it can be a little more complicated. Right. And then we move into um, the freely publishing stuff. You're talking about Twilight 2000, Forbidden Lands. Mutineer Zero, Alien. Right. Tales from the Loop, which I'm hearing wonderful things about Tales from the Loop. I don't know if Forbidden Lands uses their what they call their Year Zero engine, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I want to talk about Tales from the Loop because that's a game that I've had my eye on because 
anybody who's listened to this podcast for any period of time knows I'm a very visual person. Mm-hmm. So art catches my eye before anything. And mm-hmm. Tales from the Loop has some of the most, what I think is the most gorgeous art in an RPG I think I've ever seen. Just these beautiful landscapes depicting images that are just awesome. And there's actually going to be an Amazon Prime show based off of Tales from the Loop. But I'm so, like, want to get my hands on this game. It's really cool. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Tales from the Loop is actually a game based off of the artwork. Like, the artwork inspired the game. Right, it did. And um, Tales from the Loop also started as a board game and then turned into a role-playing game. Ah, okay. Because people were like, no, 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 the board game's great, but we want more. Yeah, it's it's so cool. That's fair. I've not looked at Tales from the Loop much personally. I I was reading a little bit of the um, Mutant Year Zero starter pack yesterday. Yeah, Mutineer Zero is really cool. Going back to Forbidden Lands has always been a really interesting game setting. Yeah, Free League's been putting out some neat stuff. You know, obviously the Alien RPG, which, you know, we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Their Year Zero engine is is another dice pool system, but it's actually a little bit different than any of the other ones we've talked about. That's why I wanted to bring it up. There's, you have a skill value, you have an attribute value. Sometimes you have a gear bonus. You add them together, you roll that many D6s. And essentially, you're looking to get at least one six. Now, you don't want to roll ones, but most of the time, as I understand it from the quick skim I was able to give it you know, the other day, it doesn't matter a great deal most of the time. Sometimes ones can make bad things happen. And while that sounds like it can be a really success common system in talking to some people who played it quite a bit see it doesn't actually work that way in practice and the other thing is is there are mechanics for what they call pushing roles that can lead to you taking effectively attribute damage even though it's only temporary so it can turn into a pretty gritty spiral very fast I would imagine. And you can tell that that system lends itself for gritty games and gritty spirals I mean Free League Publishing when you look at that list of games that we just talked about, the, none of those games are very happy-go-lucky. <laughs> the closest would be with Tales, but even it's a little bit, even it's a little bit darker mm-hmm. than just what's on its surface. I mean, your Forbidden Lands has always been a dark, gritty game. Mm-hmm. And you know, the core of Mutant Zero, Mutant Year Zero, is is just oh man, that's a really cool game too. Yeah, Free League Publishing also puts out Morkborg. Yeah, they do. They do distribute it for um, Stockholm Cartel. I think is the name of the outfit. The guys that wrote it. We've been trying to figure. I'm just gonna shoehorn it in here and, <laughs> because we have been talking about Morkborg for what three weeks now. Something like that. Because we have been trying to figure out how to bring up this game because it is. This is not at all a game that. If you have anybody who is is weak-stomached or younger, this is a very dark, gritty game. It's very... Yeah, it's, it's, its art style is... It is Scandinavian death metal meets RPG. Yeah, and if you know it... it, it well, I mean, that pretty much says it all. Um, it's Scandinavian death metal meets RPG, and... Oh, man, I... I like it. <laughs> I listened to an interview the other uh, last week with the guys that, that put it out, and I know it, it got a lot of credit for its layout and design, and the the guy who actually did the layout and design, that is what he does for a living, but he said part of what he did when making the book was intentionally did things that you're not supposed to do. Well, and, and the book's not laid out like a standard RPG. Okay, I haven't actually gotten a chance to look at it yet, other than just kind of like seeing it online. The book's laid out, it, it, it's not laid out like a standard RPG. It sort of reminds me of, I don't know how to describe it. It It's a lot of art with a little bit of text, is the best way I could probably say it. Okay. There's a lot of, the layout of the book is very modern, and... I like it. I like the layout and I like the way that everything is laid out in that book because it's not it's not your standard like you you open say you open Pathfinder 
Pathfinder is laid out almost exactly what you think it would be laid out like. There's a little bit of art here, there's a little bit of art there. There's a lot of information about what to do, how to play the game, all that stuff. Morkbor has a lot more art, a little bit less text, but it still gets everything you need to know across. Man, that's a cool game. Man, that's a game that I you you gotta have. It, it is a very eighteen plus game. You gotta have adults to play it. I know it's very very gritty. Like it's it's not so to speak when you die. It's how soon and how spectacularly. Well, I think the pitch, the one sentence description that they have on Free League's website says it all. It's a doom metal album of a game, a spiked flail to the face, light on rules, heavy on everything else. <laughs> it does sound kind of fun. It does, doesn't it? It sounds like the kind of game, we, we talked about music when we talked about horror games, but sounds like the kind of game that I would throw on some pretty heavy music in the background and we're just going to sit down and have a blast. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I really got to get my hands on this and get it played. Um, so moving on from sort of free league stuff and the, the, um, mutant year zero stuff, let's talk about Slay Industries again. I say that kind of ties in with the whole metal thing. We brought that up before. It's kind of a, kind of a metal take on cyberpunk in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. They, they use uh, what I would consider to be quite a unique dice mechanic, a little bit like Green Ronin's age, but different in the same way and and you know this will be the dice mechanic in their second edition which as i recall the first edition didn't use the degree of success modifiers that the second edition will be and that this is based on their quick start also this will be the system used in the just recently announced terminator rpg that they're doing but the way it works is you have uh well hang on i wrote this down where did i put the notes oh here we go basically your your stat can be anywhere from a zero to a six your skill can be anywhere from a zero to a four you're going to add those together and you're going to roll some d10s trying to get to a target number which usually is going to be somewhere between a four and a 16 now it's a little bit more complicated than some of the other ones you're going to have one of your d10s is going to be different than the rest of them they're recommending i believe it's five you need six total d10 one different one and then five that are whatever. So what you do, you take your special D10. That is your success die. Then you add however many ranks you have in the appropriate, the, the skill that you're rolling. Grab that many die and grab one more. So we'll say you have two ranks in a skill. So you're going to grab your success die and three more D10. You're going to roll all four. You're going to look at the total on your success die and see if you beat the target number. So that determines whether you succeeded or failed. Your degree of success failure is how many of those other dies succeeded or failed. So it's a little bit crunchy in, in some ways, but it's not horrendous, really, because you're just going, okay, I need to get a, a 15 and I'm plus five. We'll say, well, that's not, no, that's not a good example. We'll say I need to get a 10 and I'm plus five. So I know I need to have at least a five on the die. Not as simple as some games. But it's a different take on it, and I do kind of like systems that have a degree of success mechanic in them. You can do that with D&D, but that entails, okay, you beat the target number by this many, so we'll say it's this good of a success, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, Slay Industries. Man, we've talked about Slay Industries so much. It's on my list. <laughs> it's on the short list. The setting is just, it's unique in a lot of ways. The setting and, and the core concept of the game I don't know of another one out there that, that is like it. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, that, that dice system is really nice. It's it's just on the short list. It's just it's just one of those games that's like, I gotta get something. It, there's a lot of games I have on my short list at the moment, but it's Slay Industries is like, currently it's, you know, I've been talking about, since you told me about it, Mutant City Blues, and then it's Slay Industries, and like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's literally that short of a list right now. Is like, Mutant City Blues has to get fired. Then I want to play Slay Industries. Then I want to get my hands on Morkborg and get it out there and played. Mm -hmm. And then other stuff. I'm trying to read, like, four or five different games at the same time right now. And, you know, I get no time to actually do that. Because then there's other things, you know, it's like this podcast. I love doing a podcast. And I like doing, you know, looking up stuff for the podcast. But it's like, wait a minute, this is time that 
I could be spending reading a game book, but yeah. then the podcasting is an excuse to look for more cool games to want to read. So, Well, yeah, and I'm just going to cut to it. I wouldn't have read any of the Powered by the Apocalypse stuff if I hadn't been for the podcast. <laughs> so let's let's talk about Powered by the Apocalypse. Okay. It's a very, and, and we've talked about this before, it's a very, very light system. It does do things a little bit differently because uh, I have the book up here in front of me. I have the original book, which is Apocalypse World. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get to, I was trying to see where the, Dice, it's it's a weird. Gonna say, I know there are some variations on Powered by the Apocalypse out there too, and and I'm not even gonna try and list the the number of games that are Powered by the Apocalypse because it's a very popular system or framework right now with a lot of indie game publishers. Magpie puts out a lot of stuff with that. You know, obviously, uh, Evil Hat puts out quite a bit as well. And. Like reading it is a little bit difficult, but it's it's a D twelve system. D twelve? Twelve from what I can gather. Okay. That's most of the versions of it I've heard I thought used two D six. Not all These of them. These numbers seem wrong for a two D six, but it's possible. Well, it could be a different variation on it. It is possible because the numbers that they're talking about seem like they're talking about from what I'm skimming over this trying to remind myself of how it works, but they're talking about a 12 plus. They're talking about 10s and 11s, 7 through 9. And on 2D6, that's, I guess that's possible. Well, I, I believe. That'd be closer than a D12 system. You're right. It is 2D6. I believe you add, like, if you have two ranks in. Right. You do add modifiers to that. So it'd be 2D6 plus 2 or whatever. Right. Like I said, it's, it's one of the things that definitely is with Powered by the Apocalypse is. A lot of people say that once you get it rolling, once you start rolling dice, it gets to be a really simple game to just grab and go. Yeah, I know. Like I said, it's it's very popular now. You know, another game that we were going to try and bring up, and, and I'm going to tie it in here because the Forged in the Dark system, which is Blades in the Dark, Band of Blades, Scum and Villainy, etc., as I understand it, is is effectively really a variant on Powered by the Apocalypse. Just does the dice a little differently. And, and in that game, I believe you you roll a various number of D6s, but you only count the highest one. And then I believe uh, Cult is, is another larger title. It's uh, Powered by the Apocalypse. But I believe they use D10s, not D6s. So. And that's K-U-L-T. Yes. That is a very dark adult horror game but kind of interesting in a lot of ways mud and blood's playing it currently yeah yeah they're i think they're going to wrap it up fairly shortly i don't know how how much longer they have on it but yeah it's actually a pretty good ap i don't know how much of it you've listened to but i caught like episode two and was mad Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay because it it like my my app downloaded episode two but didn't download episode one and i was like oh man i I like it when they play things, and I wanted to listen to this. Yeah, I think episode 10 is the most recent one that released on that. Yeah, I'll have to. It's one of those. I'll just have to go back. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about Fate, since we sort of touched on Forged in the Dark and we touched on um, PBTA. Yeah. Fate is another one. I think it's it's narrative heavy. Fate uses special dice, sort of. I know they're D6 shaped. I believe they have... Two faces with a minus sign on them, two faces that are blank, and two faces with a plus sign on them. I could be completely wrong, but I know those are the faces that are on the die. And I wrote something down about fate, too. Let me find it. Okay. You take, you roll four fate dice, then you add your skill rating, and basically your, your, your positive symbols count as a plus, your negative symbols count as a negative. It's basically a bell curve D4. I think is kind of what they're going for. Uh, but by how much you beat the other roll by or your target number affects how well you do. And there's, there's, I don't want to call them charts, but there's mechanisms in the game that tell you how good of a success or whether, you know, let's say you succeed, but at a cost. There's, there's options outlined in the book, much like PBTA and, and some of the options in their playbooks. Let me ask, is fate crunchy? I would say no. I, I know it's considered more of a narrative-heavy game. I've never had any experience with it. I, I do know the Fate Core book is free on drive-thru, and I do have a copy of it, but it's not been on the list of things that I actually 
have, what do you want to say, actively tried to read because, well, there are just other things that I want to read more. The only reason I ask that is because as I was looking up fake dice, typically they're sold in 12 packs. There's a couple that are just four packs, but typically fate dice like on Amazon are sold in 12 packs. Hmm. And I asked that because I was like, ah, uh, well, typically games that sell 12 dice at a clip are kind of at least I want to come up with a different term other than crunchy for dice game for games that use a lot of dice. Maybe we'll call it clacky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Says fate dice, at least four, preferably four per person. Oh, okay. Yes, and it is two sides with a plus sign, two sides with a minus sign, and two sides blank. So you theoretically could play them with regular D6s. You just have to remember which ones are which. Right. And then you have fate points that you can spend to do things. And again, we're not, we're not trying to break down the systems completely more, just kind of give, give you an overview of how playing something works. So fate is, is definitely going to be more narrative and less less crunchy in terms of, you know, the no real math involved or not anything significant. Right. That's funny. They, the fake dice are also sold as fudge dice, which I, I know fudge dice. I like fudge dice. They're fun. Well, that was, I think originally it actually mentions that in the book. Yeah. Sometimes sold under their original name fudge dice. Yeah. Because fudge dice were sold as a, as, as a DM tool. There was a game associated with them, but fudge dice were typically used where you rolled the plus or minus. And it was like, you rolled your d20, you rolled your fudge dice, and then you rolled maybe another d6. Ah, okay. And and you did this as a way to be like, d20 plus four. Okay, that makes sense. I, I always liked fudge dice, they're silly. Because it's also a way to make your players sweat, because they hear you rolling more dice. Well, um, it really only leaves us with two that we, that we put down on our list. One being gumshoe, which... I did do a little research on. Uh, I did find out they actually have a document for download on their website. I may put a link to it in the show notes that explains the core of the gumshoe system. But the gumshoe system really is is a more narrative-heavy system as well. And in kind of the, the core premise of gumshoe is that it's designed for investigative games where you're not depending on a role for the players to find a clue that is the key to the story the mystery that they're trying to figure out or whatever. And so you do have point pools that you can spend from to achieve certain effects and so on and so forth. But die rolls are usually only a single D six versus a target number. That's usually it's saying four. So again, as far as if, if you're looking for a system that is very minimal math, I would say gumshoe would be probably right up your alley. You know, that's used for games that we've mentioned like Knights, black agents, uh, Fall of Delta Green, Mutant City Blues, primarily... Trail of Cthulhu. Yeah, stuff done by Pelgrane Press, basically. Yeah, it, Gumshoe is the... It's not, but a lot of people refer to it as the Pelgrane Press engine. Well, it was developed by Robin Laws, and I don't think he's worked for anyone else for quite some time. Yeah, and, and like I said, it is it is often just referred to as the Pelgrane Press engine. Mm-hmm. Gumshoe's really nice. I, I've played with Gumshoe a little bit. Not not actually run it, but I've played with it. Okay. I think it's really cool because it allows room for more investigative games versus action-based games. Mm-hmm. So Gumshoe is definitely the one where... So like Trail of Cthulhu is investigating Cthulhu. Less, mm-hmm. you know, like Delta Green or Call of Cthulhu is like your standard... Delta Grain's a little bit more of a variation, but Call of Cthulhu is your standard telling a Cthulhu story. Trail of Cthulhu is more like the video game Shadow of Innsmouth. Okay. Where you're sort of looking into what happened. Why is there why is there just a town of fish people? Is uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like, what is the deal with what is the deal with this weird place or weird occurrence? You're playing more detective type stuff rather than rather than like the horror unfolding around you, it's its more of looking into why is this here? What is going on here? Mm-hmm. Speaking of people we like on the show, Kenneth Height wrote Trail of Cthulhu. Yeah. Ken's done a lot of work with Pelgrane recently. He, he wrote Trail of Cthulhu. He wrote Fall of Delta Green. He wrote Knights Black Agents. And that, well, ironically, turns to a, uh, another game that Ken Height worked on, which was the last one on our list, which was he did a good amount of work on the last edition of Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. Vampire has been a staple in the RPG in the RPG genre for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
I remember when it first got big back in no oh, mid to late nineties. Yeah. I do know. I do, I don't know a lot about the new additions though. It is my understanding that their, their core dice mechanic is still pretty much the same. And that's across, at least it used to be across most of the titles, be it, you know, werewolf, mage, changeling, etc. And, and there it's another dice pool system. D10s. But D10s and going for how many you can get over, as I recall, you wanted seven, uh, seven on the die or higher was, is what sticks in my head. But that, that could be wrong or that number could fluctuate. I don't remember. But it's still just a, a thing where you're, you're looking at the dice and going, okay, it's over this, so that's, it counts. It's not, it doesn't count. Six or higher on dice is a success. And then the number of those that you have counts for the number of successes that you have. And, and it's sort of a... I see, that's more or less how I remember it. Yeah, Vampire's been a staple in the, in the RPG genre for a long time for a reason. It's a very easy game that's different from D&D in a lot of ways, but a very easy game to just sit down, grab, and start playing. I know, you know, Vampire, Werewolf, the storyteller system is often what it's referred to as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know Vampire, Vampire is very popular in the LARP community, mm-hmm. um, and I know Vampire's, Vampire's a great game. Like, it really is. It was never my thing, but I think it was more the vampire thing was just, at the time, it was kind of really trendy because Interview with a Vampire had just come out, and I was kind of like, yeah, whatever, okay, it's popular, I don't want to like it. (laughs) Right. You know, like Werewolf, I always thought was kind of interesting. One of the things that I've always felt the vampire does really well is their combat's really good, and how they do cover, how they do ranged combat so guns and 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 that type of stuff is really really well done and i like a book with a lot of really simple easy to read charts it's Uh been my biggest complaint with fifth edition dungeons and dragons is that i think fifth edition dungeons and dragons is laid out kind of how do i put this i don't want to say poorly it is laid out more to be read and less to be skimmed and I'm very much a person that wants to skim through, get to what I need, and then move on. Mm-hmm. And Vampire does lots of bullet points, lots of charts, lots of easy-to-read, quick, you know, get it together, how to play the game, how to do the thing, and you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that sounds cool. I like, like I said, I played the game some, you know, years ago, haven't really, like, tried to read the books in, in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I at this point, I could be persuaded to, possibly do something in, in one of their systems even to run it you know to play it again like i said last last episode yeah if i've got the time i'll probably play it if i can make it <laughs> yeah no i i understand completely but with that i think that brings us to the end of our list yeah now you will notice we did kind of leave one kind of big thing out and it's we didn't mention the Star Wars game that's currently out by Fantasy Flight Games or its companion Genesis that uses what they call the narrative dice, which are sort of like fate dice in that they have symbols on them instead of numbers. And we did that we did that specifically because we hate the Genesis no. <laughs> <laughs> we No we did do it on purpose though. Um but not because we hate it. It's actually a system both of us are interested in. What's really unique about it is that it actually, so to speak, you get, I would call it a three-axis result on a single die roll in that you have both success, failure, advantage, threat, and triumph and despair that can all come out of one die roll. But it is a little bit different and, and something that's not the easiest to explain, and we felt like it's enough different that we didn't want to just kind of stumble through it like you've heard us doing with some of these systems that we haven't played tonight. So next week, we're actually going to have another guest on. We've been able to wrangle GM Chris, who some of you, if you're Star Wars RPG nuts, know from the Order 66 podcast or also from the Forge podcast, which is a podcast dedicated to the Genesis RPG. But he's he's been in gaming for a long time. Has has done a lot of work. Was actually a credited play tester for the Genesis RPG, and, and like I said, he's he's been involved with that game for a very long time. Knows it extremely well, and he's going to join us next week 
to kind of explain it a whole lot better than we ever could. Right. And I'm really excited to have GM Chris on. I, I'm a fan of the Forge, and I've wanted to learn about the Genesis dice system for quite a while now. It's just, in my opinion, the best way to learn a, a system and the best way to learn how to play a system is to have somebody who played it explain how to play the game to you. Mm-hmm. And GM Chris really knows his stuff, so we're excited to have him on the podcast. Yes. So with that and that bombshell, <laughs> let's move into... Is it time for Game of the Week? Yeah, it's time for Game of the Week. Oh boy, it's my favorite. Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Alright, whose turn is it to go first for Game of the Week this week? Your turn. Oh, it's mine? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm going to go, uh, act, uh, given that we were talking about it earlier, I'm going with a, a Powered by the Apocalypse, ga- Apocalypse game this week. Uh, it's called a game called City of Mist, and it is a, think of a, a film noir super-powered action setting. Kind of, um, what brought to mind was like, kind of like Daredevil without all the combat, or, or what the heck was the, the Green Arrow? Again, without without as much combat, but seems really interesting. They have a, a free quick start. Uh, it's put out by Son of Oak Game Studio. Quick start comes with you know seven playbooks, two adventures, cases, whatever, and, and a bunch of stuff. So you know you can just slap it on the table and play it. The quick start is is a free download from Drive Through. Like I said, looks like look something that could be really quite fun. You know, modern setting. But again, doesn't require a lot of uh, a lot of investment to learn, so to speak. Right. That looks really cool. I mean, it's it's powered by the apocalypse. So as we sort of discussed earlier, it is it is one of those games that you can get your hands on. And yeah, I see. There's also actually a lot of stuff out there for it. You know, there's a lot of supplements. Just a cursory glance, and uh, yeah, I was actually finding a lot of information on that. Mm-hmm. So my game of the week just to keep the theme running from the last episode, it's actually my Secrets of the Crucible, which is the Keyforge setting for Genesis. Keyforge was a Keyforge was a card game and it actually has a really interesting fantasy setting. It's very the art style I would describe as whimsical and it you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing what an RPG based off of a card game would look like. I've mm-hmm. always been interested to see what an RPG based off Magic the Gathering would look like, and I guess that's called Dungeons and Dragons now, but um, <laughs> it's just sort of, it's an interesting setting. It's, again, set in that Genesis system, which we don't really have a lot of experience in, but can really do wonders for narrative games, and this seems like a very narrative-focused game. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've played the Keyforge card game once or twice uh, with a mutual friend of ours, but yeah, it seems like a... I've called them kitchen sink setting, but like sort of intentionally that way. Like there's a little bit of everything. Yeah, it it does feel very everything's here, but that's okay. I don't have a problem with that just because of the just because of what the art style is and what the tone they're going for is. It it seems really not super lighthearted, but it seems lighthearted. It seems a little more uh, kid friendly. It's it just seems like a nice setting to play a game in. Yeah, well, I think, like you said, whimsical seems like an appropriate word. Yeah, yeah, whimsical. But with that, I think we sort of move to the end of the episode. Yeah. So we want to remind you, go out, like the Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at andrpgs, find us on Discord. Yep, we should be getting links to that up in the show notes now. Took us a little while to figure out how to do all that. Yeah, to get some stuff squared away, so... Show notes, we'll have the links to everything. You can find us on TikTok, believe it or not, because I'm going to be posting some content on there, just periodically. You should post our blooper reels to TikTok. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Just be me screen recording an Audacity file. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you can find us on TikTok at at me and Steve RPGs. Just check us out, tell tell your friends, and uh, be kind to one another. Yes. Be kind to one another, go play some RPGs, and oh, just because, hello to the like six people internationally who have listened to us so far. Yeah, um, hello to those international listeners of ours. Yes, yeah, so say this week I noticed we got what, one one hit from Ireland, two from the UK, one from India, and one from South Africa. Yeah, so, so uh, 
<laughs> yeah, hello to you folks because yes, and you know if you're if you're one of those people, hit us up on Facebook, Discord, tell us how you found our show because I'd love to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. That's not sarcasm. Genuinely, would love to know how you found us and what you think of us. Please, please yes. tell us what you think of us. If you don't like us, go leave a bad review. It's okay. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. Or, I mean, maybe I should tell you it will hurt my feelings. I don't know. <laughs> Some people, that's what they look for. They're like, oh man, I'm not going to hurt this guy's feelings. Well, I, I told you, uh, so this sums up my personality in a nutshell. I was telling you a work story and I said it was one of the worst insults I've ever gotten. It was hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah, everybody be kind to each other. Go play some RPGs. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash meandsteverpg. Thank you and be kind to each other. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. I had to get my audacity brought up what that noise was. Is apparently the noise of reaching to click things now. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons Pathfinder. And Smurf toppings.